down women with diluted dreams are I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the Have you ever thought about how you'll be remembered when you're dead? Will your life story be legendary and handed down for generations? Or will you simply fade away into obscurity? once your immediate family members have passed on. Unlike folk tales, which are exaggerations of untrue events or individuals, legends are exaggerations of real people or events. For example, when we hear the name Marie Antoinette, we immediately think, let them eat cake. Although French history attributes her lavish spending as contributing to the financial decline of France and reports that she was out of touch with the daily lives of ordinary people, no historical evidence has been found to prove that she actually spoke those words. Legends are usually developed over years by the process of oral traditions. Something happened or someone did something that was so incredible or impressive that folks began to talk about it, shared the account with others, and handed them down generation to generation until it became a piece of oral literature. Usually, and due to faulty memories or contradicting opinions, it's hard to get a story straight or to give an accurate account because people either leave certain details out or put others in. The narrative becomes embellished, and voila, a legend is born. Some people from the past are sometimes known for their greatness and become famous after death. While the lives of others aren't quite as lofty, so their stories are better described as notorious. Some narratives akin to legends are folklore and fairy tales. Today's fairy tales are magical, fantastic short stories that typically have a happily ever after ending. Many of them originated as stories by the Brothers Grimm, whose narratives were darker, scarier, and meant to teach children the lesson that undesirable behaviors do have consequences. Because the history of the lady we are about to meet is essentially based on oral reports and several inconsistencies exist among the newspaper articles written about her, we'll approach her life in an atypical fairy tale format. So let us now begin. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, deep in the mountains of eastern Kentucky, and down a long holler, lived a handsome man named Harry Schoffer and his lovely wife, Alma. The year was around 1933, and the Great Depression was at its lowest point, 
as nearly 15 million Americans were out of work and over half of the nation's banks had collapsed. Times were tough for the burly lumberman, but he tried his best to shield his wife and their four young daughters, who ranged in ages from 11 years down to infancy, from the reality of their dire circumstances. Before the stock market crash of 1929, Harry worked at a lumber mill and possessed great carpentry skills. He made a decent living for his family and would occasionally splurge on a special gift for Alma or for candy treats for his daughters. When the economy bottomed out, he had to rely on his survival instincts and use his hunting and farming skills to keep his family fed. Throughout his life as a dad, he maintained his sense of humor, and it was recounted that when he lost a finger in an unfortunate sawing accident, he, along with his wife and daughters, placed the dearly departed finger into a matchbox and conducted a proper funeral for it, complete with eulogies and a proper burial. Harry was well-respected around the area of Dwell, Kentucky. It was said that he primarily kept to himself, but never failed to help a neighbor in need and would never turn his back on someone in trouble. He was beloved by his wife, adored by his daughters, and by all accounts, a pretty good guy. Sadly, not only do the nice guys finish last, they usually die young. As the story goes, a group of men had gotten a bad batch of hooch from a local rum runner, and one of the men was poisoned nearly to the point of death. The men learned that the bootlegger was coming back to the area in a few weeks, so they hatched a plan to make him pay for his crime of selling tainted moonshine. They knew the route he'd be traveling, so on the night of his return, they lay in wait to exact their revenge. The night was black and moonless as the band of men were waiting to ambush their target, and an unsuspecting hairy chauffeur was riding his mule along the very same road. Harry was returning home to dwell from Prestonsburg on that fateful night when the enraged gang sprang from out of the darkness, pulled him to the ground, and severely beat him. The next day, a mutilated and weakened Harry was found along the roadside, and a couple of his neighbors lifted his broken form, strapped it over a horse, led it to his house, and then placed his dying body across his own kitchen table. Alma Chauffeur held tightly to her baby girl, Billy, as she and her three older daughters, Marie, Sarah, and Alifair, looked on in horror at the ravaged body of the man they each loved most in this world, Alma's faithful and gentle husband and the girl's protective and loving daddy. Tears streamed down their heartbroken faces as they watched him take his last breath and depart this world. 
Word spread quickly how Harry's death was a matter of mistaken identity, and the tragic irony of simply being at the wrong place at the wrong time. But no names were ever given, and no charges were ever filed against the men who ended the life of the cherished and well-loved Harry Chauffeur. Regardless of the lack of legal consequences for his attackers, no court or judge could possibly bring him back to those five broken souls who needed him the most. The following months and years were particularly hard for Alma and her daughters as they worked backbreaking jobs for arduous hours in their attempts to stay together and keep a roof over their heads. Alma's health began to deteriorate as she often walked the five miles to Prestonsburg and cleaned houses for those who could afford to pay for her services. After a time, her oldest daughter, Marie, once described as a red-headed fireball, married and moved away, but Alma continued to provide a home for her three remaining daughters. Alma's health issues grew worse, and she was said to have developed a woman's issue of blood, and it was reported that she hemorrhaged severely while working at the house of a prominent family in the town. The woman of the house thought quite highly of Alma and saw to it that she was taken to the closest hospital where a diagnosis of ovarian cancer was delivered and Alma was sent home to die. Many described Alma as the most kind and gentle soul they had ever met. Her generous spirit and commendable work ethics inspired those around her. Moved by her plight and concerned for her children, local residents collected a sizable amount of money to help with her circumstances. But it was reported that a woman paid Alma a visit and told her about her own troubles and financial struggles and how she couldn't afford to care for her own family. So Alma gave most of the money to this forlorn visitor. A few days later, Alma slipped away and joined her adored Harry. Shortly after Alma's funeral, her daughters went to live with their older sister, Marie. But being the free spirit she was, Marie joined the circus as an exotic belly dancer, forcing her younger sisters to move in with a family friend. Within a few weeks, the family received word that the Child Welfare Board would be arriving to take custody of the three minor girls. But because she had recently turned 17, Sarah was allowed to remain and the two younger girls, Alifair and Billy, became wards of the state. Sarah was devastated by the separation, but held hope that her sisters would be adopted by families that could afford them a happy and normal life. Times were tough, and the federal benefits from Roosevelt's New Deal had it made their way to Kentucky's eastern Appalachian region. So the house in which Sarah resided 
evolved into a so-called boarding house for young girls. Soon, older sister Marie made her way back and moved into the boarding house. Before long, the older girls began trading services for food and or money. An often told story that was passed down through the years recounts a local blind man who went to town each morning to sell his fresh eggs. One day, he made a quick stop at the boarding house, and after spending some time alone with Marie, he got up to leave. When she handed him his basket, he said, This feels kind of heavy, to which she replied, You're just feeling a little weak. When he arrived at the market, a prospective customer approached him and asked what he was selling, to which the blind man replied, This morning's fresh eggs. The customer laughed and said, There ain't no eggs in there. Them's just rocks. When a dear friend of Alma's chauffeur learned of what had happened to Alma's daughters, she was heartbroken. Knowing that she could do nothing for the youngest two, she was determined to rescue her favorite of all the girls, Harry and Alma's second oldest child, Sarah. Sarah was described as having the same sweet demeanor as her mother and was said to have been blessed with the heaviest head of golden brown hair that was highlighted with a faint trace of sienna. Most folks who knew her said she was a ray of sunshine who wouldn't hurt a flea, unless that flea provoked her. Soon thereafter, Sarah left the boarding house and moved in with this benevolent family friend. As time passed, Marie and Sarah learned that their baby sister, Billy Lou, was adopted by a family who changed her name to Betty Jean. Later, they heard that Alifair was living with the foster family in another part of the state and hoped that she, too, would find the safety and security of a permanent family. But remember what we said earlier about fairy tales? Girl's shattered image of a fairy tale life Was filled with the agony of bruises and strife Reaching for anything to resemble promise Not knowing the savagery that was amiss If any of our watered-down women best fits this description, it's Alifair Chauffeur. Keep in mind, all that we have learned thus far happened before her 15th birthday. Stay tuned as we examine a life that gives actual meaning to the phrase, truth is stranger than fiction. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. A fool's paradise Hoping to be free Found a new home in the sun. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday 
as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered-down women. No pain in this world With no help from above Passionate promises Made with each breath